Hey, my name is Pastor Judd, and I am so thankful to get to worship and follow our Lord Jesus alongside you in your house church today. If this is your first time joining, or your first time being part of a house church, we want to say welcome. We believe the Lord has you here today for a specific reason, and He wants to speak directly to you. This may look different than anything that you have ever experienced before, but we are committed to following the Lord and doing our best to be obedient to what He is showing us. Family, it's about worshiping King Jesus. It's about loving each other well. It's about living in community and serving together. It's about praying together. It's about studying the scriptures together and putting it into action. It's being so captivated by him that we cannot keep it in. And family, that's when these gatherings become this collection, this overflow of praising King Jesus together because of how we've been spending time with him from house to house praising our Lord, remembering what he has done for us, devoted to the small things because we believe something greater is happening. He, he is inviting us to join him. Family, we're so thankful that you are with us and that we get to do this together. We've been talking to you over the last couple of weeks about getting ready, about us preparing our hearts and our homes so that his kingdom will be put on display. Family, as he's putting opportunities before us, we want to be ready. We want to be ready as a body, as a community, as a church. And one of the ways that we can do this is to give. To give to the end of the year, trust the Lord and do good offering. We don't promote it for our own recognition. Look at what we've done. Look at what we've got to do. But instead, we want to honor God and bring him glory for all that he is doing in us and through us. And that includes you listening today. I want to say thank you for you financially supporting this ministry, this work that God has invited us into. Did you hear that? God has invited us to join him, and we get to do that because of your faithfulness. It's because of God's provision and your step of obedience that we get to be a blessing to so many lives and impact so many homes all over this valley and reach places all over this world. So I want to ask you, would you pray about what God would have you give? And when he speaks, would you trust him and allow him to use you and your stuff? You can give by going to our website, miamivalley.org, or our mobile app and clicking on the Give tab. But once again, I want to say thank you. I am so excited, and I hope that you are too, to see what God does with this, what we will get to witness as he places us in front of people we couldn't imagine, and, that he, and when he takes us to places we could never fathom. To start our time today, I'm going to ask you in your house church if you would read Luke chapter 5 verses 12 through 16 out loud together. There's going to be a timer that comes up. Go ahead and just hit pause. Take your time. Go through that scripture together. I'm going to ask if uh, you would discuss what it must have been like for that man we see in the passage that says, if you're willing, make me clean. So would you read that passage? Would you have that discussion? And would you pray together? for hearts to be open, not just in your house church, but all over this valley and maybe even all over this world as people hear this today, as Pastor Tim leads us, then we'll come back together. So let's do that right now.
If my math's right, there's only one more sleep until Christmas morning. So I'd like for us to have a Christmas conversation this morning. For our conversation today, I'd like you to imagine that you're driving down your street and as you're driving down, you look over and there's a moving van unloading furniture. You knew that a family had moved out not too long ago and now someone's moving in. You drive by and you begin to slow down and you look to see if you can see anyone who might be moving in. And while you don't see anyone, you have some questions already beginning to form in your mind. If you're a child or if you have children, one of your questions is, I wonder, do they have kids? And if they do, what ages? Where do they move from? Across town, across the state, across the country, from somewhere across the world? What do they do? You don't see anyone for a couple of days and these questions continue to go over and over in your mind and you wonder, I wonder if I wanna really be friendly with these new neighbors. But then you're out getting the mail and you see the neighbor who lives right next door to them and she comes up to you and asks if you've met the new family and you tell her no, but she says, hey, I've met them. And I, I've got a couple things to tell you about them. Uh, they're about your age and they're a younger couple and they have uh, children. I think they're in elementary school, about the same ages as a couple of your kids. The mom's a school teacher and she said she's gonna try to find a sub job until she can get something full-time next year. He works for a contractor or for the military. He's out at the base. I'm, I'm not sure what he does. I don't think he really wanted me to know what he did. And maybe I don't want to know what he does. But then this neighbor tells you that this is a family you need to meet. As they've new, moved into your neighborhood, they, this neighbor thinks you're going to be best of friends. In the Bible, there are four biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in John's gospel, before he writes about Jesus turning water to wine or giving sight to the blind or recruiting followers, or before John gives us any of Jesus' speeches or the conflict that's always swirling around Jesus, John describes Jesus' birth this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as if the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. One writer puts it this way, Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus moved into the neighborhood and I would submit to you in this Christmas conversation that this is a neighbor you might want to get to know. John writes about in his account of the nativity what theologians refer to as the nearness of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we've seen his glory. He made his dwelling among us. Most of us think of God as above us, beyond us, apart from us. But John lets us know that God is alongside us. He is near us. He is with us. He is with us. Some people even talk about this as the withness of God. One of the other biographies of Jesus, the one written by Matthew, includes the theme of nearness of God in the first chapter and in the last chapter. In the first chapter, in chapter one, Matthew refers uh, to Jesus as Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's near and he's close and he's beside and he's with. And then in chapter 28, the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, before after the crucifixion and resurrection, before Jesus will ascend to heaven, Matthew records Jesus saying these words to his followers, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you for how long? I am with you. Go ahead and say it out loud if you remember, I am with you. That's right, always. And I believe some of you listening today during this season are going through a hard time. And I think some of you listening today simply need to hear this. He is with you in the highest of your highs and the lowest of your lows. In your extreme fullness and in your extreme emptiness, he is with you. He's with you when your heart is overflowing and when your heart is breaking, he is with you. He is God and he is with us always. He is with you in your laughter and in your tears. He's with you in your fullness and in your emptiness, he is with you.
As his life calls forth life in you, he is with you. As his life calls for faith-filled movement in your life, he is with you. As his light pulls you from the darkness into his light, he is with you. As he calls you to trust him and do good every day of your life, he is with you. He is among, he is beside, he is near, and he is with. It's the nearness of God. And a family moves in down the street and you wonder, who is it? And do I really want to get to know them? And again, before the miracles and teachings and conflict, John simply starts with these words. Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And what I'm simply suggesting for each of you today in your hearts and in your homes is this. This is a neighbor you probably want to get to know. God desires to make his presence known to us and it's he's drawing near to us. He's not from afar, but he came close. He is God with us. He is near. He is with us. But some of you are still a bit afraid to get to know him. If I go over and meet this neighbor, how's he going to receive me? If he's God, he knows everything about me and you're a bit frightened and you're not sure you want to get to know God. Let me look, look quickly with me, if you would, at Luke chapter 2, verses 4 to 12, where we read these words. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is how Jesus arrived. Mary gives birth, and she places him in a manger. And I think the shock of that has worn off for us. We've seen so many nativity scenes. We have so many nativity scenes in our homes. We see them all the places. And I don't think they're shocking anymore. Placed him in a manger. A manger is a feeding container for animals. We should be shocked that the God of the universe, when he arrived on the planet, was put in a feeding trough for the animals. This seems highly undignified. The term that's used is the lowly birth of Jesus. Lowly. Lowly means having no status at all. Socially unimpressive. And if you would have been walking Bethlehem that night and you heard this baby crying and you peeped through the door and you saw Joseph, Mary, and manger baby, you would never go, oh, these people are really important. That baby is someone special. No, he's lowly. He had no status. He was socially outcast, unimportant, and not impressive to the human eye. That lowly thing that describes Jesus and his birth and how he arrives not only describes his birth and his childhood, it describes how Jesus was as an adult. I want you to see something this morning as we have this Christmas conversation. The four, four biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, combine to make up 89 chapters. And in these 89 chapters, we read of the miracles of Jesus, the speeches of Jesus. We read of the accusations and the altercations that Jesus entered into. And in these 89 chapters, we read of Jesus being betrayed by a friend. We read of his death for us, that he took our place on a cross, that he was crucified, that he was buried, and three days later, he rose from the dead. But in these 89 chapters, only one time, only one time does Jesus describe his heart. Only one time does Jesus say, this is what my heart is like. And Jesus uses two words. My heart is like this, and my heart is like this. Do you know the two words? I guess if you're involved in this conversation, you've already guessed that one of them is lowly. <laughs> That's right. But the other one is gentle. Matthew 11:28, 28, Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Full conversation in that passage goes something like this. Jesus is talking to a bunch of people who are worn out and tired. And he says, come to me, all you who are wearied and heavy laden, who are burdened. Come to me, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. When Jesus uses these two words, he's describing what he's like. He's describing his heart and who he is at the very core. He's gentle and lonely, lowly. What I'm trying to say here is this. We think of manger baby and his lowly birth. But this lowly thing, this lowly thing did not go away 
when he became an adult. It's how he described himself, I am gentle and I am lowly. What did that look like? What did that look like in his interactions? I had you read just a little bit ago, Matthew chapter five, just four or five verses from that chapter where Jesus has an encounter where he has an incident with a, a man and it really shows that even in his adulthood, Jesus was lowly and Jesus was gentle. Jesus has been teaching and a man approaches him and I think the man comes from a distance. The man had leprosy and leprosy in the scriptures is used to describe any skin disease. And this guy has a serious skin disease and he comes in front of Jesus and he falls down on the ground in front of Jesus and he begs Jesus and he says to Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. If you're willing, if you're willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. Now, if you had one of these skin diseases back in that day, your whole life, was lived on the outside. You were an outcast. You're forced to move away from your village, away from your family, away from your friends. And people so feared the disease that you had that if you got too close to them, they thought they might catch it and they too would start to have to live their life on the outside. And so even when you're walking down the road and you see someone else coming, you were required by law to shout, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, so they could head to the other side of the road or so you could head to the other side of the road. To be a leper in that day is to be untouchable. And it's great if your leprosy goes away and you can return to life as you know it. But if it doesn't go away, your life as you know it is over. And this leper comes and bows in front of Jesus and says, you can make me better, you can make me clean. As I'm reading the scriptures, I'm sure that Jesus' heart goes out to him, but there's part of me that wants to say to Jesus, stay away from him, a long distance, a long distance healing if you please. But look what Jesus does. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. Jesus touched the untouchable. That's what happens when Jesus moves into the neighborhood. And Jesus says, I'm will willing, and he healed him. The famous artist Rembrandt drew a pencil sketch of this scene where Jesus is touching the man, and we see Jesus, and we see the leper, and we see Jesus touching him, but we see two men in the background watching. And they see what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus does and they see his heart. And I think they're amazed that this man reaches out and touches the untouchable. I think about this scene, this lowly Jesus, even in his adulthood. He's not repulsed by the leper's appearance. He doesn't recoil. He doesn't cringe. Jesus moves towards him. Jesus connects with him. And Jesus touches him. And Jesus heals him. For Jesus is gentle and lowly, even as, adult, as an adult. Jesus moves towards, Jesus makes contact. It's what Jesus does when he moves into the neighborhood. And I, I would simply like to suggest to you this morning, he's a neighbor you ought to get to know. You don't need to be afraid. Let's move back to the Christmas story. Mary gives birth and she places Jesus in the manger because there's no other place for him. And Jesus arrived in a lowly way with a lowly birth. As I was thinking about that, I was reminded of a movie where there's some people gathered around the table and they're about ready to say a prayer and somebody says they want to pray and the person who's going to pray says, I like to pray to the little baby Jesus because I like the little baby Jesus better than I like the grown-up Jesus. But the Christmas story and the gospel accounts tell us that Jesus' birth was lowly, but so was his life. Even as an adult, he was lowly and gentle and we don't need to fear Jesus because when he describes his heart, he says, I'm lowly and I'm gentle. Jesus' most natural inclination is to move towards sin and suffering. He doesn't recoil from you. This gentle, lowly Jesus isn't finger-pointing and accusation, but he moves towards you with open arms, ready to heal, ready to touch, ready to forgive, ready to be kind. 
with only one more sleep until Christmas. I hope that in your conversations, in your own heart and in your own relationship with God around your table and your house church, maybe even today, that when you celebrate the lowly birth of Jesus, you remember that this is not just how Jesus came, it's who he is. This is his heart. Jesus is for you. He longs to be with you, near you, beside you. And he promises that if you invite him into your life, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. This Christmas, may you draw near to the gentle and lowly Jesus who drew near to you and moved into your neighborhood. This is a neighbor you want to get to know. Father, thank you that Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Thank you that we need not fear him for he's gentle and lowly in heart. Father, some this Christmas season need to acknowledge his presence even in the lowest of lows, even in the hardest of hard times. They need to understand Jesus is with them to comfort, to guide us, reaching out to touch, to heal, to cure, to bring peace. Father, thank you for letting Jesus move into our neighborhood. May we do everything we know to do to get to know this neighbor who wants to call us friend. In his name I pray, amen.